You're listening to the Good Samaritan Anglican Church Podcast. The following sermon was recorded on the fourth Sunday of Lent, March 31st, 2019. A reading from the book of Joshua. The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those twelve stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, When your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know. Israel passed over this Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until we passed over, so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. As soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they had crossed over, their hearts melted, and there was no longer any spirit in them, because of the people of Israel. And the Lord said to Joshua, Today I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. And so the name of that place is called Gilgal to this day. When the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, they kept the Passover on the fourteenth day of the month, in the evening on the plains of Jericho. And the day after the Passover, on that very day they ate of the produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain, And the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So I want you to think about the last big trip you took somewhere. Especially if it was a car trip because car trips can wear on you like no other kind of trip can. And so think about, I know some of you took like a two-day car trip recently. There's a family that we, we follow, we know them, and they recently took a trip from Nebraska to San Diego, which if you look at it on a map, that's going to take you about four days in a van to drive there, and that's what they did. And when they got home, you better believe those kids were dancing and celebrating and having a good time to be home. What do you look forward to when you come home? For me, especially if we come home later in the evening, my favorite thing after a long trip is to climb into my own bed and to sleep on my own pillow. That's just the most wonderful feeling in the world after you've been sleeping who knows where for the last week or two weeks to come home and lie in your own bed and put your head on your own pillow. So imagine what it would be like after imagining your last big trip what it would be like for God's people when they were in the wilderness, not for 40 days, not for 40 weeks, but for 40 years. They were on a very big, long camping trip. They lived in tents for 40 years. They drank out of, uh, you know, pools of water and, and things like that for 40 years. They ate this special manna bread off of the ground for 40 years. That's how God provided for them. And they never went hungry, and their shoes never wore out, and the clothes that they were wearing never wore out, but even still, 40 years is a long time to be camping. And in this story today, 
God finally brought his people into the land that he was about to give them. It was called the land of Canaan. But like I was telling the kids, there was a large river that they still had to get across. And so what God does, as the people are finally entering into this land, is he, he shows off. He does something pretty big and dramatic by holding back this water on one side and letting the people pass through on dry ground. This was a pretty amazing thing, and God did it for a couple of reasons. First of all, it was a powerful testimony to the people's enemies. It says in in verse 5, chapter 1 of the book of Joshua, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites, those were their enemies, as soon as all the kings of the Amorites who were beyond the Jordan to the west, and all the kings of the Canaanites who were by the sea heard that the Lord had dried up the waters of the Jordan for the people of Israel until they crossed over, their hearts melted and there was no longer any spirit in them because of the people of Israel. So these enemies that they were about to go in and do battle with, their hearts melted because they saw how powerful the people's God was and how God was about to give them a victory before the battle had even started. Can you imagine getting ready to go against an enemy that has pretty much already won before the battle has started? It would be defeating, wouldn't it? And that's how these people felt. And so this demonstration of God's power by holding back the river was a testimony of his power and strength to the enemies of his people. But it was also a powerful testimony of the glory and power of the Lord to his own people. And this is what it says in the verse just before what I read you. It says that God did this so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty and that you may fear the Lord your God forever. God wanted the people to see this thing happen, to see these waters held back so that they would remember his strength and his power forever because God is a big God and he can do big and mighty things. So as they crossed the riverbed, God told the people to gather these 12 large stones that I was telling the kids about. Much bigger than these ones that we've piled up in front of us here. Think about uh, like a big monument. We have war memorials and things like that where people set up statues and they remember battles that happened in this place and that place. This was kind of like that. It was a large pile of these 12 boulders and God put them there as a testimony to future generations. God was telling his people, I don't want you to forget what I've done for you, but more importantly, I don't want your children to forget, and I don't want your children's children to forget, and I don't want your children's children's children to forget. I want them to remember me, and I want them to remember that I am powerful and that I can take care of them no matter what they face. That's an important lesson to learn in life. So these stones were for the sake of the children that they might have a chance to know the faithfulness and the power of God. And so God instructs the parents as they lay down these stones, and he says to them, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? That's a good question. Why did you pile up 12 large boulders on the side of this river? When your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know that Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God drained up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did when you crossed over the Red Sea. God wanted the people to remember this throughout all of their generations. To 
remember that he is a powerful God who can take care of them. And it's good for us to do something similar when God does big things in our lives. It's important to stop and remember what God has done, to recognize what God has done, to thank him for what he's done, but also to tell others. Because when we remember the things that God has done in our own lives, it helps us to remember in the future when we're facing other obstacles, when we're facing other big things, that God can take care of us then, just as he took care of us in the past. And so the the second best gift that we can give to our children and to our grandchildren is to tell them the stories of God, both from our own lives, but also from the history of God's people, which we have recorded in the scriptures. To tell these stories over and over and over again, because these are our family stories as the people of God. And they remind us of God's faithfulness throughout all of the generations and the ways that God moves among his people. So this is the second best gift that we can give to our kids. In the psalm that we read today, it says, Come, children, and listen to me, and I will teach you the fear of the Lord. And that's that's an instruction to parents. It's, It's telling parents that they are to gather their children, come, my children, and listen to me, so that they can teach them the fear of the Lord. But this is an active thing that we have to do. Sometimes we think faith in God is something that just sort of happens but we don't know how it happens. But it's not automatic. Faith in God isn't passed down to the next generation automatically. It happens because people are taught and the faith is passed from one person to another. And God's big plan for this to happen from one generation to the next throughout all of history is parents surrounded by the people of God. So ideally, children are taught first about God from their parents because parents, I don't know if you know this, parents, but you are the single biggest influence in the lives of your children. Now that can be for good or it can be for not so good, but one way or the other, you are the single biggest influence in the lives of your children. And so you'll see your children saying the same words that you say, and you'll see them doing the same things that you do, and you'll see them reacting to situations in the same way that you react to situations, your children are always learning from you, whether you're teaching them or not, because you're always teaching them. And so when we're intentional about teaching our children the ways that God has moved in our lives and the ways that God has moved in the the history of his people, we are intentional about passing that down and our children soak it up. They receive that faith that we deliver to them. But parents shouldn't have to do this on their own, and God didn't intend for them to do it on their own. And that's why God gives us the church. He surrounds us with a community of other faithful adults who know and love God, who can back us up as parents and say to our children, you know those things that your parents are telling you, they're actually true, and I believe them too. And so we pass the faith down as parents to children, but we pass the faith down also as one generation of the church to the next. So I said the second best gift that we can share with our kids is these stories of God's faithfulness, both from the Bible and from our own lives. But the very best gift that we can give our children, the very best gift, is to introduce them to the Father. To introduce them to God the Father. But it's hard to introduce someone to someone that you've never met. If you're walking down the street near the mall in Orange Park, and you see a random person, and you're with your your brother or your sister, you can't introduce your brother or sister to that person because you don't know who they are. 
You can't really introduce someone to someone you've never met. And the same thing is true with our children. We can't pass the faith down to our children. We can't introduce them to God the Father if we don't know God the Father ourselves. Imagine for a second uh, the story that we shared, the last story we shared about the son who asked his father to give him half of his inheritance before his father has even died. And he goes away to a far off land and he wastes all of that money on drink and on parties and on prostitutes and on all kinds of things that his father would not approve of. And when he runs out of money, his friends dry up because that's what happens when you run out of money. His friends dry up and he has to fend for himself. And so what he finds himself doing is feeding pigs and wishing that he could eat the same food that the pigs had because the pigs were eating better than he was. And so he starts eating the pig food. It's pretty gross, I know. Now imagine if instead of going home to his father, he had decided instead to stay where he was, to keep tending these pigs, and he married a nice woman from this far-off land, and he had children with her. Would those grandchildren ever have a chance to know the great-grandfather who loves them so much? No, they wouldn't, because they would have never met him. Maybe you don't have a relationship with the Father yourself. Maybe you didn't even know that it was possible to have a relationship with God. That was true for me. When I was growing up, I was the son of a pastor, and I was in a church pew every Sunday of my life. Every Sunday. And I knew everything about God. I knew all the right answers for my Sunday school teachers, and I believed all of it was true. But I didn't actually know God. I didn't know it was possible to know God until I was about 16 years old and I was away on a youth retreat and God showed himself to me and I heard him speak to me and I came to know him personally. And that's the way it's been for the rest of my life. Now there have been ups in my life and there have been downs in my life. There have been times I've gone to church and other times when I haven't gone to church. But in all of that time, I knew that God knew me and I knew that I knew God and I knew how much he loved me. And if you don't know God, often it's because one of two things is true. Either something has happened in your past that has caused you to not trust God, or you think you're too far away from him for him to love you. And those are both not true. They're lies that we tell ourselves. So on the first side, maybe something's happened to you that causes you not to trust God. And what the Psalms tell us today is taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who puts his trust in the Lord. And so if you're wondering about God, if you think God might be for you, but you're just not sure, try it out. There's nothing to lose and everything to gain. And God shows us over and over again that when we put our little toe in the water, when we taste and see that he is good, that he will show himself to us and he will embrace us and demonstrate his power and his love to us. If we just take that little step and say, Lord, I want to see what it's like with you in my life. Introduce yourself to God, and he will show himself to you. But on the other hand, some of us are like that son in the story. The son who ran away from home, who went and did all kinds of things that his parents didn't approve of, and he didn't think that his father would welcome him home. He thought that he had been too bad, that he had insulted his father too much, that he had done things that were too wrong and that there was no way he could possibly be welcomed home. But when he goes home, 
his father doesn't even let him get through his whole excuse and apology. He runs to him and he puts a ring on his finger and he puts the best robe on his shoulders and he throws a party, a big party for all of his friends. And he says, my son who was lost has come home. My son who was dead is now alive. And that's how God is for us. There's nowhere we can go that's too far away for God. There's nothing we can do that can keep God's love away from us. And so if we feel like we've run too far away from God, you're never so far away that God isn't standing right there holding out his arms and welcoming you home. God is waiting for you just like the father in that story. God loves each one of us more than we could ever know. And he wants us to know the peace, the safety, the purpose, the hope, the comfort, and the forgiveness that we can find nowhere else but in his loving arms. So if you know God, press into him. Taste and see, and he will show himself to you all the more. And if you don't know God, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who puts his trust in him. He loves you so much, and he wants to have a relationship with you, and he wants you to have a relationship with him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you love us. We thank you that you are like that Father who always welcomes us home. And so we pray, Lord, that wherever we are in our walk with you, that you would give us more of you, that you would demonstrate your power and your love to us, that you would show us how much you care for us, and that you would welcome us each and every day into your open embrace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This has been a production of Good Samaritan Anglican Church in Middleburg, Florida. For more sermons, sermon notes, and information about our congregation, please visit www.goodsamaritananglican.org sermons. If this podcast has been helpful to you, please subscribe and leave us a review with your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. God bless you.